0: it is draft day baby marlins have three picks on day one in this draft we're gonna dig into all of the names to watch and the strategy plus how deep is this class and in what positions boy oh boy it's a sunday extravaganza on locked on marlins this is locked on marlins guys
1: you are locked on marlins your daily podcast on the miami marlins part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: from England, and welcome to Lockdown Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast, even on a Sunday. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you listen to the pod, hit subscribe, leave a review. This, of course, is your team every day, and thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. This one is coming at you early doors on Sunday because it is draft day, guys, and we had to drop an episode, even though I'm not contractually obliged to do one on Sunday. I'll still be there for you guys because it is draft day. And everyone is asking the question what are the Marlins going to do on day one there is a YouTube channel as well guys. head on over there hit subscribe also leave a comment as well. love the comments in YouTube. if you are watching you will see I have a guest. I am not going to attempt to tackle the draft solo. no 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 I need I need a man that knows everything about the draft here that's going on and man I trust deeply and I know Marlin's Twitter trust as well. Isaac Shapiro is in the house. Uh, Isaac, how are we doing brother?
1: Hey, Pete, doing well. Um, 8 a.m. out in Vegas, but never too early to talk, Marlins or draft, so ready to kick it.
0: What, what commitment? 8 a.m. in Vegas. No one else is awake in Vegas apart from Isaac Shapiro hitting it up with Lockdown Marlins, brother. I appreciate you uh, taking the time. We're recording this Sunday afternoon, my time, early doors uh, for you. Uh, the draft, 7 p.m. Eastern. Is it Eastern? I think it is Eastern. 7 p.m. Uh, this evening, so we felt we had to hit one. And just kind of look into this draft more generally, like what's what's the class looking like? What's the Marlins strategy likely to be? Also want to talk about DJ Sphilic as well and how much pressure or not he could be under. And then we're going to dig into some names to watch for each of the three picks the Marlins are going to be making on day one. Looking forward to that. Before we get into it, this episode is sponsored by our good friends over at GameTime. You can download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's get into it, Isaac. Just if you can, just try to summarize for me the draft class as a whole. As you're kind of sitting here thinking about the 2023 class, particularly at the top end of that, as we get into day one, what's where's the talent sitting in terms of college, high school, position, pitcher, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Where does that kind of talent primarily sit? Um, let's kind of start there, and you know, maybe thinking about. Um, you'll know, have maybe pertains to the Marlins picks as well, I guess, yeah,
1: sure. Um, so it's heavy on college hitting and high school uh, high school hitting, namely like high school infield. um basically, at the top, you've got heavy college and then um two kind of of the elite high school outfielders. So they're expected to kind of go in the top five. that's Max Clark and uh, Walker Jenkins. Um right. so college hitting kind of early on in that top ten. and then it, really starts to pick off on the um, high school prep uh, bats later on in the first round and even through the second and, and up to the third round.
0: Okay. Um, what about from a pitching perspective? Is there much top-level talent pitching-wise this time around?
1: So the from a pitching perspective, there there's kind of your three big horsemen um, from the college ranks. Paul Skeen's top pitcher, you know, kind of an all-time season. Uh, then you've got Rhett Lauder, who just is a very strong durable pitcher who they should both be top five, six picks. Um, And then you have Chase Dolander, who was kind of the um, preseason top pick um, unanimous kind of top guy who really struggled. Um, And so he kind of has slid a little bit, but he probably shouldn't slide past like the ninth pick in Colorado. Um, After that, there's um, a prep pitcher, Noble Meyer. He's kind of the top high school arm. He's definitely a name that has been circling around the Marlins pick at 10. He could go a little earlier. He could slide later. Kind of a wild card there. Um, and then once Meyer goes, there, there isn't really much on the pitching side until maybe in the later first round or even second round where right. you've got a few high school pitchers. But um, it, it really drops off after Meyer. There's, there's some college guys, some high school guys, but that's really more kind of later in the second round.
0: Makes sense. Kind of syncs with when Kim was on the broadcast earlier this week. Uh she was talking about the draft and, you know, the the strategy maybe and the excitement levels around the draft too. She mentioned as well, like I think her, her assessment was this is a, a good hitting draft. And yep. uh, you know, hearing Craig Mish talking about this um, you know, on the spaces a few weeks back too, Craig alluded to the fact that he he senses the Marlins are going to be looking with particularly their first round pick for a hitter as well. So, you know, the Marlins are picking a 10. Overall, um, the likelihood is from what we're hearing, from what Kim's kind of sharing, unless they're kind of just you know toying with us and you know thinking you know we'll zig when everyone zags. But I, the, the likelihood here is that the Marlins are going to be taking a hitter with that with that first round pick anyway, in, in at number ten. But overall, from from your perspective, what do you think with that you know with that knowledge out there, what do you think the Marlins' strategy kind of could and should be for this uh, for this year's draft?
1: Yeah. um, So, you know, with with all these prep high school infielders, I I think the Marlins absolutely need to jump in on that early on, whether that's at 10, 35 or uh, even their 47th pick. I I think they definitely need to get their hands in there. Um, But with it being such a strong college crop, too, at the top, um, they they, I, I think they should go with the idea of getting a college guy and at least one high school guy. So if you go college, then maybe you go high school, high school, or if you go high school at the top, then maybe you get a a good college guy later on at 35. But um, they they should kind of mix it up a little bit, um, but definitely get at least one of the high school kids.
0: Yeah. One of the other kind of narratives that I've heard as well is that the Marlins maybe will be targeting um, to look to go under slot in particular with that first pick at 10, um, to look to try to spread around their their pool money into the kind of latter rounds. I feel like they've had decent success of doing that historically as well. So it could well be that, to your point, maybe they look to go infield prep, but a guy that maybe was projected to go a touch later get him to sign underslot there, and then they can kind of use a bit more of their dough to spread that around. So that's been a narrative that we've kind of heard banded around. Would you be you know, comfortable with that that approach?
1: yeah i would i i think it might depend on who they are targeting at 10 in that kind of scenario i think a lot of the draft writers are are kind of bringing that up as a potential underslot option um you know when it comes to like a high school hitter there while there are rankings and this one is better than that one right now i I think it's a little hard to really be so sure that this one's going to turn out to be better than a different one so you know if one of them's asking for like seven eight million and another one you can get for like or five million and then you can use that money later on i mean you know why not if if the opportunity presents itself why not do that
0: will they will the club have a feel about the signing bonus requirements before they make the pick i guess like with kind of khalil what like thinking back to khalil watson for example where a guy that kind of slid was in many ways kind of best player available i would describe it as at that point in terms of like the tools um but clearly the marlins I think they had to go over slot for Khalil Watson. And the the, the question around mm. that pick was, can you sign him? They they took him, but they weren't sure if they'd sign him. Um will would would the club have a kind of general ballpark view of like what it's going to take to sign him before they make that pick, or shouldn't they do? I actually don't know the mechanics of that. I don't know if you do. It,
1: yeah, so I so when teams are, I think when they're kind of planning out and they're working, you know, with with all the prospects, they are, I think, getting an idea of what their number, you know, what their number is, and yeah, and that'll kind of help drive their strategy. So, for uh, for example, even not necessarily high school, but right now the top pick of the draft, um, Dylan Cruz, he's like the unanimous top prospect, but he mm-hmm. Pittsburgh knows he's asking a very high price, like way kind of over slot. and I think that's actually trend pushing them towards the direction of Wyatt Langford. So teams right. are kind of using that to. Um, gauge if they if they want to take it draft a guy or if they want to avoid that guy. I actually I heard a um, I heard a rumor from a draft a while ago that the Marlins um, could have drafted Nolan Gorman, but they supposedly didn't know his his number um, and they didn't know if he, they'd be able to sign him, so they they didn't take him. They took Connor Scott that year. Um, so oh, if, if if that's true, that that would be an example where like yep. doing that due diligence and knowing the number um, could benefit you you know, just in your, your prep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I guess just thinking about, you know, what you've kind of alluded to here with the top end of this draft, there's going to be a lot of, you know, middle infield guys. It's going to be a lot of, um, you know, straight out of high school, effectively the last time the Marlins went down that path was Khalil Watson. It's fair to say it's been (laughs) a bit of a rodeo thus far with Khalil. Like, you know, the tools were there, if the Marlins would have not taken him, whoever was picking after the Marlins probably would have taken him anyway because he just was the probably the best player available. But they found some challenges there with Khalil Watson, the kind of off-the-field stuff and some growing pains. But I must say, you know, into year two, things are starting to look up, back up, I'd say, for Khalil Watson. And he's starting to show out and equally mentally starting to mature a touch. And that's always the risk with these guys, giving multiple millions of dollars to 18-year-old dudes like, that can that can affect people in very 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 different ways. So uh, you know that is the risk, I guess, of taking that kind of guy at ten, right?
1: Yeah, um, and, and you know, back in in 2021, I actually do not really know too much about Klul because I just didn't expect that he was going to fall way to the Marlins. But no. absolutely, that's kind of the the risk you run into when you hear about this elite high school hitter, and but there's concerns about maybe his ability to hit fastballs or, you know, high up or off speed or something, those are things that you you can't guarantee you're going to get corrected. Um, So it's, it's great in theory, but if you can't develop them into a true, you know, MLB talent, then it, it it might all go to waste. Um, In this draft, there are a a number of hitters who are are set to have like a, a plus hit tool, you know, who are set to be above average hitters who maybe just need to come into a little bit of power, um, or they need to just grow a little bit more. Um, yeah. So I, I would say, I would think they they would have learned from the Khalil pick to maybe go for the higher, better-hitting prospect over the kind of tantalizing power.
0: Yeah, 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 makes sense. Um, let's hit the ad, then we want to talk about DJ sphilic in particular walking into this draft, and then we're going to talk about the three picks specifically in the day one, and some names that we think we could be potentially considering or looking at. Um, at that 10, well, we'll start at 10 and then get into the comp round and equally into round two as well. Uh, But this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Game Time. They have the graphics as well. They're kind of teal as well. So they were made for this show, which is great to see. Um, Guys, but buying tickets to your favorite events, it shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets. Football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more, if there is more. Game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Pretty simple, guys. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCK.MLB for 20 bucks off your first Purchase terms to apply again. Create an account and redeem the code locked on MLB for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, here we are on locked on Marlins on draft day. Isaac Shapiro is in the house, and it's right heading into this draft, I think, to talk about DJ Svillik and whether he is on the proverbial hot seat at this point. Like, it's fair to say there's some mixed reviews, I would say, over Jacob Berry. Um, so that's going to take a bit of time to work out, you know, a bit like Braxton Garrett in some ways, like Braxy was a bit of a late developer, then all of a sudden flashing it. So I think we, we can't be too quick to make decisions on a guy that's, you know, a year, less than a year, pretty much into his, um, his professional career thus far. Um, uh, but overall it feels like DJ Spillick, this is a big draft for him, uh, particularly with the Marlins, you know the farm system is, is a touch depleted. A few guys have either been hurt or gone backwards a touch, and so it feels like this needs to be a big draft just to really kind of boost the system. So, how you feel about DJ, um, and and where do you kind of feel in terms of the the hot seat Ten being he is absolutely scorching hot on his bum um, for the hot seat at this point, and one being no chance. He's he's still the guy.
1: Yeah, um, I'll, I'll put it at, at a, a seven, kind of vanilla, but but I, you know, he, I'm not going to give him too much flack on on the first round picks. I think with a first round pick, a lot more goes into it than just DJ. You know, it's probably front office ownership. I think everybody's got to play in the the top pick. Um, where DJ tends to cook is uh, probably mm-hmm. that like second, third round and on. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like they've kind of struggled even in that second, third, even fourth round. but he's he's done solid kind of later on. You know, it, we care about the top 5 rounds or so, but it, it is a 20 round draft and and so and it used to be a 40 yeah. round draft. So, you know, he does a good job of finding major league relievers or um role player like like role players who could become things kind of later on in the draft. And and the way that they've been drafting kind of lately, um it's required him to really go with kind of these older college Pitchers from rounds like six to ten, mm-hmm. um, so like like Pat Monteverde, he, yeah. he I think was their seventh round pick in um, in the last couple of years, and so uh, kind of getting those older, more seasoned uh, pitchers is kind of where he's been, what he's been doing uh, in those like six to ten rounds, and so he he you know, look any, anybody could look at his track record and say yeah he's going to be on the hot seat. I mean they haven't really produced much major league talent. Um, Since he's been there, and so the pressure is definitely on, and and I I think he knows that, and I I think, um, I think you're going to see him kind of do, kind of just working like he knows his back's against the wall. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone's got their own, you know, their own mo, and like you said, like DJ Zai is a little bit more kind of, you know, five five to ten rounds in and looking to pick up arms, and you know, the Marlins that's kind of their MO too, where they just go on these streaks of just taking arm after arm, after arm, after arm, because as, a, as an organization, A, they can identify talent in that area and they can develop it too. And so that's the thing. Yeah. And that kind of leads me into it. Like I know most people are thinking they're going to take a hitter, a 10. Um, you know, we'll see what profile that that is, whether it's one of the college guys, whether it's a you know, high school guy, but for me, I feel more confident that Marlin's taking a picture, to be honest with you, in, in, in round one. And so I am intrigued if they get to that spot and one of the, the top arms is still available at 10. I do wonder if they they divert away from that and think, you know what? Let's de-risk it a touch. We like, you know, we know what we can do organizationally, and they maybe go away from a hitter at that point. I'm intrigued to see how that would play out. I mean, it's it may be overthinking it a touch, um, but the track record tells me that their hit rate is higher on upper rounds arms thus far from what I've seen with DJ Spillik anyway. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Let's get into it though, mate. I mean, think about the, you know, the pick 10, 10 overall. Um, What do we think of the kind of true or most likely names to watch equally? If it was your pick based on the cluster that we talk about, which direction would you go as well?
1: Yeah. So pick 10, um, you know, I've definitely, I've got my names. It's a little tough because there's so much that can happen leading up to it, but um, some names that I'd look look out for uh, in the college ranks, you're looking at guys named uh, Matt Shaw. He's kind of my, my top preference. He's a, uh, he was a Maryland shortstop, but probably going to transition to second base in the pros Um, really, really strong hitter. He hits for some power Um, looking at a guy who, in a perfect world, could develop into like a Matt McClain type guy where you're just a good hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hit literally everywhere he's gone ever since he started um, at college to the summer Cape Cod League. He's just been like a 350, you know, 450 on base and 700 slug guy where it's just he's a, a pro- professional hitter. So, um, Matt oh, Shaw, baby. other college guys, you've got uh, Jacob Gonzalez and Jacob Wilson. These are kind of two guys who. Um, Some people might think of as more vanilla picks, boring Mm. picks, Um, not high ceiling, really. Uh, They've they've got high floors. Jacob Gonzalez is a shortstop, um, very highly touted coming into the year, had a little bit of a a down year by his standards. I mean, he still hit 320 um, and had a solid season. But it's the kind of guy who, you know, he'll play shortstop, maybe third base. He'll hit for league average, you know, seven hundreds OPS. Probably won't be an all-star, but he's probably um, one of the safer picks of the draft. Um, Jacob Wilson, he is uh, of the Luis Arias type. So oh, you baby. Can tell there's probably a bit of, um, yeah, it's a bit uh, mixed reviews with that, where uh, he struck out, I think, five times this season, this entire season. But he also just doesn't really impact the ball that hard. I think his average exit velocity is like 83 miles an hour. That'd be, I think, the lowest in all of baseball right now. But at the same time, he's six uh, four, so he's like, he could he could grow into his frame still, which you don't really yeah. expect out of college guys. You, you feel like they're pretty much fully there physically. Um, he's the kind of guy that at six four, pretty lanky. Uh, he could kind of grow into his body a little bit more, maybe tap into a little bit of power. Um, and he's a shortstop as well.
0: Okay, um, I mean, uh, a six foot four Luis Arias... Right. I mean, I you mean, could dream on that. I could dream I feels, on that feels that feels like the perfect pick. I mean, why is anyone down? I mean, it, it's it's funny, right? As Marlins fans, we we've, we've kind of been in that situation this year where you get rias in, and you know what he's kind of build as, and because he doesn't hit any home runs, it doesn't, you know, it's not overly sexy. But then you see it up front, up up close and personal. Like, actually, wow, this is incredible. No strikeout, great batter ball skills, and again, to your point, like six for four, like Arias isn't six for four, so. You know there's plenty of growth there, uh, potentially. Is that Jacob Wilson? Did you say there's too many Jacobs going on here? we got Jacob ja- Berry, right, right? Gonzalez, Jacob Wilson, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jacob Wilson, yeah. And I, I wow. saw uh, takes tweeted last night at like 2 a.m. that he, he kind he of talked himself like that. into that if that was the case. So if takes can talk himself into it, then I think anybody should be able to. Um, but yeah, and a lot, a couple of Jacobs as potential college options early on,
0: okay. Um, let's. Flip it over then to the Marlins are picking, they're in, they, they got a comp A pick. So they're picking 37, 37? 37th, I think. Uh, uh, 35, yeah. 35, sorry. 35, um, <clears throat> which is also on day one. So thinking about if they, let's say they go Jacob Wilson, they go Luis Arias 2.0 in, uh, in with 10. At 35, what are the kind of names you're expecting to be around in that spot? And what are the ones that kind of excite you most, I guess? Sure.
1: So, if Jacob Wilson goes ten, I think most people will probably shut the draft off to not even make it to thirty-five. But if if we're if we're once we get to thirty-five, you're probably going to start dipping into the high school um, infield ranks. So, the, the top high school infielder who I probably should have mentioned with ten, his name's Arjun Namala. Um, he's from Florida. He's this um, big-time power, toolsy infielder, and, and a lot of people would probably prefer him at, at the 10th pick. Right. Um, but he's kind of a, a money-issue guy where he might be asking for a little bit more money than you'd like to give a high school guy at pick 10. Um, so if you if you wait to get high, to 35 to get the high school guy, um, you're looking at guys, names like um, Colt Emerson. He's a uh, supremely talented hitter, maybe one of the better hitters in the entire draft class. Um, I think he's from Ohio, uh, but good hitter, a little bit smaller, I think 5'11, six feet, um, probably a, like a second baseman in pro ball. Um, looking at like a above average hitter can grow into some power. I think right now it's just kind of average power, um, average speed and, and kind of average field. so it's, it's kind of a average tools all around, but, um, okay. a really, really advanced hitter. Uh, the next name who I'm very high on, his name is George Lombard jr. Um, his father, George Lombard, I think he, uh, is the, he's a coach for the Detroit Tigers, maybe the bench coach or something. Okay. Um, this kid is a supremely tooled out hitter. I mean, he's six foot three, he's a shortstop, um, massive power, massive speed. I mean, this guy, it seems like he's got everything that you want from a high school prospect. Um, Ian Smith, he's a, a prospects a writer out in Florida, he kind of compares him to like the Manny Machado type, Manny Machado mold. Um oh. George Lombard Jr., very big frame. He's got a lot of room to grow. Um they think it'll be a like plus power, av- above average hitting, plus speed. He's kind of got everything that you want. Mm-hmm. Um he's slated to be in the 30-ish range. So he could go a little bit before Miami. This could be a scenario where if they do go with Jacob Wilson, they'll have that extra money to maybe tell him, hey, yep. you know, we'll give you your number if you tell teams that you're not interested in, in them drafting you. Cause a high school guy can always tell a team, like I'm going to go to college. If you're going to draft me, if they want another team to take them, they can kind of yep. go that route. Yep. Um, so he's my number one target, George Lombard jr. Love um, it. And then there's, there's other names. Um, there's Adrian Santana. He's this uh, Nassim Nunez type with a little bit more pop, uh, okay. really, really fast runner, really good defender, um, solid hitter. And he's got a little bit of power. And so, um, you're looking at like a Nassim Nunez type with, you know, who can get more than five, you know, maybe 10 home runs, 15 home runs at his peak. Um, that's a really appealing option. Um, a name that the team's been linked to actually has been a, a guy named Ty Pete. P E E T E is how he spells last name. He's another big bodied, like six foot three infielder uh, from Georgia. Um, someone mentioned that he's kind of got the Khalil Watson mold of kind of, um, He's very uh, not full of himself, but you know he's he's very confident in himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Uh-oh. and so some people are maybe they're not it's not their their top choice, but he he's another tooled out infielder. You know he can hit for power, he can run, he can field. Um, So
0: that's another option to look out for. Ty Pete um, sounds like there's I'm, some seriously big body dudes around here. The like Marlins are going to have big body dudes. If they take all these guys we've just talked about here, they're going to have. You know, six foot four up the middle. Um, you know, right. second base at short, you know, who knows where her arises is at that point. I mean, in a few years' time, but I mean, that seems to be the MO here. Just take like the six foot foot, six foot four dude, one of them a contact, one of them a power guy. You know, you could dream on those attributes, right? Like it's it's one of those where sometimes the body can kind of sway you a bit, maybe in the kind of you know, you look at it through a kind of glass half-full approach anyway, if uh, if they've got those physical attributes, you think, right, what can what can you do with the baseball talent to go with that? So we'll see um, final one of the day. So there's going to be three. Um, so then they're into round two and they're, they're picking a 47. So they've got 10 bit of a gap, then 35 and then 47 on round uh, in, in day one. Sorry. Um, do we think they continue down the path there of going hitter as well in, in, in round two.
1: So 47, that's kind of a fun spot where if they do go hitter in the top two picks, they could start to kind of dip their feet in where they're, strength is in pitching mm-hmm. um it, you know there, there's a lot of strong high school pitchers kind of starting in the 40 40-ish right. uh, range um so you're looking at guys like um the top left-handed pitcher cam or uh, second ranked left-handed pitcher cam johnson um big body can throw you know up to like 99 and, and he's got i think a vicious breaking ball and uh, something to dream on right 99 yeah. mile an hour fastball good breaking ball i think yeah. command it's kind of his his issue but you know if any pitcher in the modern system i i don't care you know they're going to they're going to give you a change up they're going to fix their command issues and you're going to be a top 100 prospect in no time Mailed so up. um <laughs> <laughs> right? so you got uh Cam Johnson and then there's a couple others um Blake Walters Josh Knoth. uh Walters is another bigger guy um a guy who i don't people think he hasn't really grown into his stuff yet he he, he can definitely develop more um, so that's definitely a, a guy to keep an eye on, especially for Miami, where if they see untapped potential, you know, they'll go and tap that they'll go and get that potential. Um, and then, uh, this guy, Josh Knopf, I think he's smaller, like six feet tall. Um, but he's, he's very, um, polished already. And so, uh, he's another option to look out for at 47. So Cam Johnson, Blake Walters, Josh Noth are probably the uh, three high school pitchers that I'm I'm looking at at 47, but but there's probably you know three or four more that you could name if you even just looked at like the top rankings of, of prospects. Yeah. it's really deep once you get to the the late 40s.
0: Yeah. All right, that has been awesome. There's one guy I did want to ask you about briefly though, because it's a it's a name that I've heard and I'd heard kind of some time ago, kind of linked to the Marlins in some ways or or, or suggested, and it's Enrique Bradfield and. It's fair to say that, in you know, as we approach the draft, uh, a lot of people have cooled, it's fair to say, on him and maybe hasn't had the year. So maybe just kind of talk to kind of what's happened. Or, well, who is he as a prospect and why have people cooled on him? And, it, you know, could he be even a, a by low candidate, let's say, at 35 if he gets all the way down there? Because the way people were talking about it was this was maybe a pick the Marlins would, would be making at 10. Um, so something's happened with with Bradfield along the way. Um interested to hear your view on him.
1: Sure. Uh, Enrique Bradfield, he's a center fielder from Vanderbilt. Um, he's known to be the best defensive, probably defensive defensive player in college baseball. I mean, if you go on Twitter and you look up his name, you're gonna find um, like Sports Center top ten plays on yep. every video you see. I mean, he's a, a gifted defender. And he's got 80-grade speed. He's one of the faster guys in all of um, baseball. So you know, when you have two 80-grade tools, basically, it's hard to pass up on that type of potential. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he was kind of rumored to the Marlins really early on in the draft cycle, kind of like you were saying. I think where his hype started to die down a little bit was I think he only hit like 290 uh, in college this year. You know, if you're picking top 10, you you really probably want a guy that's hitting at least 300. Um, It's a really weird swing, weird approach. Uh, I think he knows that he's got to change that once he gets to pro ball. Um, So I think just the offensive concerns have really slid him a little bit, but I don't think it's going to slide him enough to get to 35. Um, I think I saw his range was really starting at maybe like 13, 14 through maybe the mid 20s. Just with, right. with a college guy, they don't have that leverage to say, you know, I don't want to go to your team. I want to go there. So they yeah. can't say, I'm, I mean, they could go back to college, but then they're a senior, have no leverage, won't make much money. Um, so with a college guy like that, it's wherever, whichever team wants to take him, they're going to take him. Um, I don't think the Marlins will. He he could slide in the center field tomorrow, probably play gold glove defense and yeah. steal bags as a pinch runner. Um, <laughs> but, but the hit is, you know, how many center fielders have we seen? Good def- Good defense, can't hit get him out, you know, so I wouldn't think the Marlins would be too keen on him. I, th- I think it's a popular link because everyone knows the team might need a center fielder. I, I mean, we've got Dane Myers and Jazz, so, I mean, I don't think we do, but no. that's just kind of a, a lazy popular uh link.
0: Yeah, for sure. The Marlins definitely need to consider what they're going to be doing at shortstop in the very, very near term. I think obviously Joey Wendell uh, expiring deal, who knows how it plays out, but you know, there's a few you know, potential shortstops in the system, but if they feel like a touch away. But either way, uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the center field need has kind of disappeared a touch like organizationally in some ways where if they wanted to leave Jazz out there for the next four seasons, then uh, then they could. And there'll be some above average defense from what we've seen at Jazz. So uh, yeah, sounds uh, sounds interesting. I, I just wanted to pick your brains on him because it was a name that we heard. People had cooled on him trying to understand why it makes a ton of sense. Um, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. That is your draft day Prep for day one covered, that is the draft class itself. What are we seeing? Tons of hitters, uh, no doubt. Sounds like, and Kim's kind of affirmed that too. Kim is already calling out tons of hitters. We're expecting the Marlins to go hitting heavy, let's say. Pressure, I think, is on DJ Spillick in this draft uh, to try to retool this farm system. The Marlins pick three times on day one, uh, and their first pick will be number 10 in round one uh later on this evening so we're looking forward to that one isaac thanks so much for joining me all the way from vegas this is a vegas to leeds hookup no internet connection issues which is absolutely stunning in itself so i appreciate you mate. let everyone know where they can find you on twitter as well because you're one of the best marlins twitter followers uh uh so let everyone know for the guys that don't have the graphics to help them
1: yeah, thanks, Pete. You can find me at 7 17s S-E-V-E-N-T-O-17. I'll be flying during the draft, but I'll have internet. I'll be tweeting. I'll be tweeting leading up to the draft, um, so I'll be around. You got it. Awesome.
0: Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed that episode. I know I certainly have because I am by no means a draft expert, but I've got some names now to work with. I'm excited to see the way the Marlins go. And you've you have drawn me in with a Luis Arias 2.0 uh, at six foot three, six Uh-oh. foot four. I mean, let's see. <laughs> let's see how that goes. Let's see what, I mean, like you said, if 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 it's been given the takes were made kind of like loose stamp of approval, then I think that's good enough for me. So uh sounds good. Um Guys, thanks for uh, making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. The Marlins hopefully will head into the All-Star break with a series win after they take on the fills today. Then we hit the draft. Um So of course, I'll be back on Monday uh recapping the game. Like I said, hopefully they roll into it with a series win, but also recapping all of the action and the three picks the Marlins have made. Look forward to seeing you then.